What is going on? My name is Taylor, and this podcast is called Who Knows, a podcast that works to answer the simply complicated questions of life and promote a life of self-love, mental health, and creating your own normal. Don't worry. We are just as lost as you are. Hi, everyone. We are here. We have arrived. This is it. You are, in fact, in the right place. This is season four, episode one of Who Knows. And as I mentioned in our preseason episode, I am so excited to be back here with all of you having conversations and doing what I love. I have to sing it because I love it so much. I cannot even believe that it's been over a year since our last episode. But here we are, back again, ready to potty. And I feel like I got all my little feelings out in that preseason chat, but I really wouldn't be me if I didn't start off by truly thanking you for being here. I really thought for a moment that I would not be able to pull this season off. I thought I would fail. I felt like I wasn't going to make it in so many ways. I have been really, really taking the last year to go inward and work on myself and deal with some of the things that I've been hiding from, and I'm sure I'll talk more about those as the season goes on, but today I just want to celebrate the fact that I'm here, and that I allowed myself to show myself that I am, in fact, someone worthy of following my dreams, and that my dreams matter, and that I matter, and this is something that is still hard for me to say on some days. Like, I really have been trying to face that I think a lot of bad thoughts about myself, and I've been preventing myself from doing the things that I want to do in life because I think so negatively about myself. But in continuing to make who knows happen, it's my little way of sticking it to the man or woman. And that woman is me and my insecurities. But yeah, so I'm here. I'm making it happen and I'm excited. But before we get into the show, you know what's up? Let's get into our shout outs and announcements. This episode is actually mostly shout outs right now. Um, the first thing I want to do is shout out a few of our Indiegogo supporters who made this season and the brighter future of who knows possible. I'll be giving a shout out to a few of them on every episode this season. And today I want to give a huge thank you and send so much love to Stephanie D, Caroline M, Gina Z, and Sarah H. Thank you all so much for your support. And I'm so grateful for you. I also want to give a shout out to a review that came in while we were away from our friends over at the Weekly Wondering Podcast. Woo woo. Thank you so much, ladies. Check out Weekly Wondering if you haven't already. They cover some really interesting topics over there. And if you want to be as cool as them and want to get a shout out on the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You know, you know the deal. Not only do you get to hear about how much I love you and adore you, but leaving those reviews really helps people find the show and that's a big deal. We want people to find the show. And if you left a review and you got your love and that wasn't enough love for you, and you want another shout out, become a patron over on our Patreon. Uh, I have recently updated the offerings over there um, and there's new content happening literally every single day. You can join for as low as a dollar and get access to like I don't know, a ton of stuff, like seven different things already. So, I mean, there's a lot of other things. You know what I mean. You get a lot of stuff. All right, y'all. 
first new thing. First new thing. This is it. I'm so excited. This is a moment that I have been waiting for. And what I'm about to share is a huge, exciting thing that I've been wanting to add to the show for so long. And it's finally time. It's finally happening. And it is so important. As you all know by now, Who Knows is rooted in mental health. My ultimate goal is to show that conversations about mental health can and should be had with everyone and that you're not alone in what you're going through in life. And while I strive to make these episodes a chance to learn from others' experiences, hear their stories, gain insight from them, and to be a depiction of what it might be like to have an emotional conversation with someone, I want to stress that one of the most important people that you should have a conversation with about your life is a mental health professional. I love therapy and my therapist is really helping me change my life. It took me some time to find the right person to talk to, but once I got past that awkward stage of searching and getting to know my current therapist, it has become a relationship that I cherish in so many ways. Talking about the value of therapy, I feel, is an essential part of mental health advocacy. Going to therapy should be as normalized as getting a physical exam. It is a physical exam for your mind and your mind needs to be checked in on too. And it should be done by a professional. But there are still so many people out there who have never been to therapy or might not even know what conversations with a therapist would be like. So I thought, just like I use this podcast to show conversations about mental health with people you know and people in your life, why not show you what it might be like to hear from a therapist? We have a therapist on the team now, and I could not be more excited to introduce you to her and our new segment on the show that I would like to call Topic Breakdown. So our topic for this episode is pet love. That's right, a chance for me to talk about how much I love my cat, but I chose this topic for so much more than that. What I need to figure out, I guess, is what is it about our love of pets And why is it so damn strong? I would literally die for Claude. I would lay out on the road, let a car run over me a thousand times. I'm pretty sure he doesn't even know who I am. I mean, he knows his mom, but he doesn't even know my name. But when I look at him and I, I just feel this deep, almost uncontrollable love for him that I can hardly explain. And I need him in my life. And I can't remember what my life was like before him. There has to be something behind it all, and my guests and I today are going to share our feelings and experiences on the matter in just a few minutes, but to fully understand the emotions behind this subject, or any subject for that matter, I think it's important to consult the professionals. Like I said, conversations like these on our show where we share our experiences and dive into our emotions, um, they're super valuable in so many ways, but I believe to gain the best insight about how we feel therapists are the way to go. So I would like to hand the mic over for the first time to a friend of mine and our newest member of the Who Knows family, Jessica Sheriff. Hello, everyone. This is Jessica Sheriff. I am based in sunny South Florida, and I am a registered psychotherapist supervisee, a coach, a wellness writer, and designer, supporting and empowering Black, Brown, and queer people in discovering their own resources for individual and community health and well-being. I provide my clients and the larger community with a representative platform that prioritizes their mental health and wellness. And as a queer Black woman passionate about clinical mental health and social justice, my resources are inclusive, relatable, and decolonized. 
I'm super excited to be a part of Who Knows Podcast and working with Taylor, and I hope that I'm able to offer some insight and some resources for you moving forward. Y'all, isn't she the coolest ever? How did I get so lucky? Uh, One way might be this fun little fact. Jessica and I went to high school together. Isn't that wild? I was so excited when I found out that she was dedicating her life to mental health work. And I'm so grateful to have reconnected after all these years. I will literally go on all day about how cool she is. And I probably will for every episode that she's here for. Um, My excitement is... 3,000 right now, but it's time for her to break down our episode topic. So here for our very first time, Topic Breakdown with Jessica. Pet love. Mm, I personally adore this topic because I have grown up with pets my entire life. And of course, each person with a pet will likely have their own positive experiences and benefits to name of having their pet But for those who don't have pets, I just want to name a few of those benefits. First off, pets can reduce symptoms of depression. They can provide a sense of purpose. They increase self-confidence. And they provide comfort for their owners. Not to mention that physical interaction with pets, such as cuddling and petting, increases the levels of feel-good hormones in our brains such as serotonin and dopamine, and decreases our stress hormone, cortisol. And of course, there is the unconditional love that some pets, especially dogs, provide when you get home after a long, stressful day at work, and they are just overly joyed to greet you no matter what. But of course, any animal can be a source of emotional and social support, simply because there is another being whom you can talk to, love, and who needs you. For those who might be interested, there is a field of mental health treatment termed animal-assisted therapy that specifically utilizes nonverbal communication and direct experience with animals to assist people with addressing and processing their emotions and issues in a healthy and effective way. Pets also help us build healthy habits such as regular physical activity in nature if your pet requires walks, Getting up in the morning to make sure your animals are fed helps us get our day started. And the last one I want to mention is that pet care supports self-care. I want to include those who take care of plants as well because although plants don't move, they are alive and caring for plants or animals can be great reminders that we need to take care of ourselves as well. I love her so much and I just huge thank you to her for breaking it down for us to kick off this episode and this season. I'm so excited and so grateful to have her here all season long. Make sure you follow her over on Instagram at Jessica Sheriff. I will have all her stuff linked in the show notes all season long. She'll have a little section. Follow her. She's got so much good stuff going on beyond even just these topic breakdowns that she's doing for us. So who are we hanging out with this week? Who are we talking to? Who would I possibly know who would spend time with me talking about how much we love our pets? 
Lauren Paris, of course. You might remember her from season three when she came to talk about her two amazing cats, Bruno and Carlo, who are feline internet sensations, bringing all the sass and cuteness us cat lovers and pet lovers deserve. Um, in our previous episode, she shared the tale of how her and Bruno came together and what it was like to become the mother of a viral internet cat. Um, if you haven't heard that episode, go check it out. It is season three, episode two. When Lauren is not being a cat mom, she works as a performer when it's not COVID. And she recently opened her own small business called LP Communications, where she offers presence and speaking coaching, social media consulting, and is helping you put your best foot forward in person and online. So for this, our first episode of season four, I am back again with the ultimate cat mom, Lauren Paris. And this time we are talking about how much we love our cats. We get to hear from Lauren a little bit about how Carlo came into her life, something we didn't get to touch on last time, little baby Carlo. And we share our stories and challenges and give our best effort to explore the big feelings around the love for our pets that so many of us can relate to. Yes, we are going to talk about our cats because those are what our children are. But these are those feelings that all pet parents feel about their pride and joy. Pet parents, unite! So here is Lauren Paris and I talking about pet love. Lauren, I'm so excited to be kicking off talking about probably the thing that makes me have the most feelings in the entire world, cats. Not only are we both cat moms, but we're both gray cat moms. And I feel like gray cats are the kings and queens of sass, 100%. Your boys and my boy are just the kings of sass. But then Carlo is also like, what am I doing? I'm just here with my big eyes. Carlo's also an absolute idiot, but Bruno it definitely has the sass. But also Bruno's a different breed than Carlo. Is Claude a Russian blue? Claude is a Russian blue. We have never gotten like a full like DNA test. Have you gotten a DNA test on your cats like to see exactly what they are? No, but speak of the devil, Bruno must have known we were talking about him. Cause he just, <laughs> there he is! <laughs> He just Look at waltzed him. in. He was like, you rang. <laughs> I love it. So start us off with where your your journey began with cats. Like, where does your story begin with, you know, being a pet parent, owning pets, being a mom of cats? Where did it all start? Yeah. So when I was, I think, five or six, um, my mom and I, I'm, I'm an only child, please don't hold it against me, um, but I, my mom and I really wanted cats, and my dad did not, and so my mom said, let's surprise him with cats, which to any of those listening out there, that's not necessarily the most responsible pet parent thing to do, however... In our circumstances, we knew that once we had the cats, my dad would love them and take them on fully as his own, <laughs> which is exactly what happened. We adopted sisters, Callie and Ashes. Callie was a tabby. Ashes was a Russian blue. And funny enough, Ashes and I throughout my entire life did not get along. Um, Callie was really my cat. Callie the Calico. Thank you so much. I was a genius six-year-old naming her. Um, and she was my cat. She was my best friend. Um, people would come over to the house and I would literally open the door, much like they now do with Bruno and Carlo, and 
they wouldn't even say hi. They'd be like, where's Callie? People came over to see this cat because she also was large. She was about 16 pounds and just the sweetest. Oh my God, wouldn't hurt a fly. Most cuddly, sweet, followed me around the house like a little dog. She was so, so awesome. Um, and I moved away from home when I was 18. You moved from the Seattle area to Chicago where I went to school. And um, Callie lived until I was around 23, 24, because she lived till she was 18. She had a really good life. And it was a sad day. I remember I got the call when she died. I was in a production of Hedwig and the Angry Inch, if you know that show at the time. Um, so I was uh, surrounded by men. <laughs> I was the only girl. <laughs> and um, I came and I was really sad that night at the show beforehand because I'd gotten the call from my mom that Callie had died. And I'll never forget these men who were in our, you know, onstage rock band, who are musicians, they're not actors in real life. And uh, they weren't quite sure how to best help me grieve in this moment over my dead cat. But they tried their hardest and they were so sweet to me. That was my first and thus far longest foray into pet ownership, although that was, you know, really my, my parents' cat. I left home at 18, like I said. So after that, I was, I've, you know, been living on my own ever since, and I just wasn't ready to have a cat, even though I felt tempted so many times. I knew that I just needed to be in a stable position, like emotionally, <laughs> um, financially, you know, and in my early 20s, I moved around a lot, and, you know, my life revolved around me. So it wasn't until I met my then boyfriend, now fiance, almost husband, hopefully soon we'll be able to have a wedding, <laughs> we decided we were ready to become pet owners. And honestly, we did not intend to adopt a cat when we lived in Chicago. We knew we were moving to the Seattle area. We didn't know exactly when. Um, that was just our goal. And um, then we saw Bruno's pictures, well, I saw Bruno's pictures on Facebook one day at a shelter, and that was that. And we did indeed end up getting a cat while we were in Chicago, and then another one six months later. <laughs> and we all moved across the country a year and a half ago, and here we are. <laughs> I feel like your story with Bruno is one of those really clear moments of like when you know a cat is your cat. Same with Carlo. I mean, there were a lot of people that probably felt that they wanted to have Bruno in their life. And not only is it amazing that you found, you know, your your child essentially, but like that you were actually, you know, selected out of so many people that applied to have him and like and then it just all fell into place and it feels so right. Yeah, it does feel so right. And when we got him, he was at a shelter outside Chicago uh, that's called Right Way Rescue. And he'd been there for four months until they posted these particular photos of him online. He was seven years old. He was 25 pounds. And so for those four months, um, his personality, I think, was probably just completely outshined <laughs> by all the kittens in the cat room that he was with. 
And it wasn't until they posted these particular photos of him on Facebook where he is standing on his back legs, staring at the camera with side eye. He looks like a mob boss. He's polydactyl, which means he has extra um, fingers, <laughs> toes, whatever they're called. <laughs> and on his one paw, it looks like a mitten. They posted these photos that ended up going viral. So I applied to adopt him along with hundreds of other people from around the world. But I was grateful that those pictures came out and it really shines a light on the fact that adult cats are so often outshone in shelters because their personalities just can't compete when they're surrounded by kittens. Because kittens' energy levels and personalities are wild. And Bruno's personality at that shelter was non-existent. And as we now know, Bruno has the biggest personality in the world. And we just didn't see that until we brought him home. And that night, literally, we have a video on our Instagram of like opening his little, well, wasn't little. We had to borrow a dog kennel to bring him home because he was so big. But the moment we opened the kennel, he walked out like the king of the castle and he's been that way ever since. So yes, it definitely shone a light on that for me that, you know, adult cats are just so often overlooked at shelters because their personalities can't come through. I've heard this story from you and every time it always like makes me so happy to know that like he, you know, got such a great loving home. But I think what also took it to the like to the next level is like, you know, stuck in here with all these kittens. Who's viral now, kittens? Like, not only is he like in this amazing home that like loves him, which every cat should have, but he is also like beloved by like literally hundreds of thousands of people and like that's just also like just like a little like cherry on top of like you know the great life that he has been afforded to have one of the things about that situation as it pertains to you is that you weren't just trying you know you were saying like I wanted to make sure that they knew that I was serious about like giving this cat a good home because he did kind of go viral and become this like famous cat before you even adopted him you know you kind of have said in our previous episode that you kind of just had to almost live with that situation because it had happened before you gotten him and your main focus was truly just this is my son and I have to have him in my life. And like you're at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters to you is your like deep connection and love for for animals in general, but like Bruno. And then the same thing translated to Carlo, who from what you've told me was also completely outshone and rehomed, like, what, was it three times? We are his third home. So, yes, I mean, in regards to Bruno, I have complete awareness that multi I'm sure many of the people who applied could have given him a great home, and I'm just so glad that it's us. <laughs> um, and with Carlo, I used to always share um, adoptable cats on their Instagram. I'm not going to lie, I've... I've fallen a little bit, but I need to get better at that again because it's so great and personally, selfishly, like gratifying when I shared an adoptable cat on their Instagram and then one of our followers went and adopted them. Oh my God, it was just, I like sobbed the first time. It was so cool. But obviously it's just to give these cats who, I try to focus on adult cats who are overweight most of the time, <laughs> um, who've been at a shelter for a while and try and spotlight them and Hopefully someone will see it who's 
you know, in the market and um, can connect with them. Uh, and with Carlo, that's that's how we found Carlo. Was actually one of our one of Bruno's followers sent us the listing and said, "Oh my God, this cat looks just like Bruno. Can you share them on your Instagram? This adoptable cat." And I clicked on it and <gasps> had the same feeling again, like I had with Bruno, except this cat was in Las Vegas and we lived in Chicago. So he looked just so much like Bruno Gray and 25 pounds, the exact same weight that Bruno was when we got him. So I called because um, unlike Bruno, Carlo was not going viral. <laughs> I called, oh, actually first I sent the, the listing to Jason. I'm kind of more, well, kind of is not correct. I am the more creative type. I'm more emotional, up and down. Jason is like the much more steady one, the much more realistic one, logical. I sent him, the voice of reason, Carlo's listing, and he replied to my text in all caps, I want him. And I called him, I said, are you serious? And he said, yeah, uh, there's something about that cat. I want him. I was like, oh my God, okay, um, I I'm gonna call the shelter in Vegas. He was with this organization actually it's not they don't have a physical shelter I called them and uh, briefly explained who I you know mother of Bruno and they were like who um, and I explained Bruno and the situation and why I was calling how I found them they said oh that's so funny this cat stands on his back legs too <gasps> just like Bruno and I said oh excuse me I was like that's that's it I, how do I, what do we do? They said, so here's what we can do. He was living at a PetSmart. You know when you go to PetSmart and there's like those cages of cats? That's where Carlo was. He'd previously been with two different homes over his life. We know nothing about them or why he was given up. Uh, but the woman on the phone said, you know, this cat's really sweet. And he's been at one of our volunteers' homes. They would like be at a PetSmart for two weeks and then be in someone's home for two weeks. Then be at a PetSmart for two weeks, be at someone's home for two weeks to give them like the exposure of people at the PetSmart, hopefully seeing them and wanting to rescue them. So she said, yeah, and our volunteer said he's just the best and she wanted him. Uh, but she can't take him. So long story short, I was like, all right, we need to get our butts to Vegas. We booked a flight for the next morning for us and Bruno. The whole point was we can't agree to adopt Carlo until we know that Bruno has met him. Like at this point, Bruno's our responsibility. Keeping Bruno safe and protected is our responsibility right now. Um, we couldn't just sight unseen bring Carlo home and be like, hope it works out between the two of you. The next morning we are on a flight with Bruno to Vegas check into our hotel, go to this woman's house where they brought Carlo. We introduced them and they were fine. There wasn't any immediate, there was no hissing. There was no fighting. They were sniffing each other out for about 45 minutes or so. And Carlo is just the friendliest cat. We sit down, he comes right up to us, snuggling, wants to be pet. We're like, oh my God. After 45 minutes, the woman says, okay, well, if you want to go back to the hotel and think about it. And we were like, no, 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 we want this cat right now. <laughs> so sure enough, we, you know, do the deed, bring Carlo back to the hotel where we all hung out for another 24 hours together until we came back to Chicago. And then it was a, you know, it's a process and it's still a process. Introducing adult cats, especially to males, 
you know, there's a lot of things we had to do to transition them correctly. And it's not like they, I mean, they still fight. They more just fight to get our attention to get food. But um, they also coexist and snuggle and Bruno is the alpha dominant cat. But we wanted to get another cat, not for us, but for him. Um, he's extreme. I, I, I realize I sound like every freaking parent of anything in the world right now. But Bruno is so intelligent. <laughs> he's a special cat. And he, when we were at work all day, every day, we came home and could tell that he was like, oh my God, somebody play with me. I, you know, I still think all the time about how grateful I am that I'm able to give Claude the best possible home that I can because they deserve it. Because at the end of the day, we have decided to bring these animals into our lives and into our homes and they can't open the food themselves. They can't tell us what's wrong. They, you know, it's our responsibility as pet owners to be there for them and to be responsible and to care for them. And, you know, there it's there are so many people out there who have wholly different views on, you know, animals. Like the phrase, it's just a cat or it's just a dog is something that I will never understand. You know, I really do feel like a parent. I don't want kids. Maybe that will change. I highly doubt it. Um, but I really feel like Claude is my son. Like I really, and I know that you feel the same way about Bruno and Carlo, that you guys are a family. Yep, absolutely. And I've shared before that, you know, Jason and I have been dating about a year and a half um, when we got Bruno, but we were like freaks who when we met, we were like, oh, this is it. We just knew that this was, we were going to get married. But we also were, I was in my late twenties. He was 30. We dated a lot of people. So we, we knew by the time we met. <laughs> um, however, it wasn't until we got Bruno that I noticed Jason started referring to us as a family. And I was like, well, that's sweet. And then six months later, we got Carlo, and a week later, he proposed. Now, he would have still proposed that weekend, but we think it's very sweet that um, our family was completed, at least for now, and that we got engaged. So we've kind of touched on this, you know, because, you know, you can't not touch on it when you're just talking about cats in general, and this episode is about how we feel about our pets, but if you could even begin to explain, how does being a pet parent make you feel, you know, that when you wake up in the morning or in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, as I do, and you look at your child, how do you feel? What What is that feeling like for you, if you could even begin to describe it? Well, I, I also don't have human children, although I do hope to someday. However, I feel similarly to you do in that, or to the way that you do, in that um, they are my children. I feel like my life revolves around them <laughs> and I like it that way. <laughs> um, they also are, Jason always says like at night, I mean, you know, these days, what do we do besides sit on the couch basically at night? And um, when we're sitting on the couch, he's like, oh, I'm just so glad that our cats are always around. And I'm like, I know. Our cats follow us everywhere. If we don't know where they are, we're like, where's Bruno? Where's Carlo? We have to go find them. Because usually they're always at our feet. We have beds, you know, beds for them at our desks, in the kitchen. Any place that we would be, they are there. 
Um, so they're just a constant part of my everyday life. I love them. I have to leave these days every two weeks. I go into an office for work and I, um, I'm gone for like 24 hours and I usually cry when I say bye to them because I'm special like that. Um, but I'm also kind of done apologizing for how close I am with them. And I hate the term crazy cat lady because people, um, have always been in love and obsessed with their dogs and we don't stigmatize that. So I don't think there's any need to stigmatize being close with our pets. Um, I think it's a wonderful, beloved relationship that you only understand if you've had the same way that you only understand what it's like when your pet is gone. Um, if you've gone through something like that. So yes, I mean, they just make me feel like I, they give me a purpose outside of myself. Like I mentioned, you know, early twenties, it was all about me and that was the way I wanted it. And, um, now my purpose is, my life is also all about my partner and her cats. <laughs> and, uh, someday, hopefully it'll also be about my kids, but I don't see my cats like going down on the level of importance. <laughs> I feel honored that we get to see them during their, well, they're now technically seniors. So in their senior years, um, even if it means we get less time with them, which I hope not, but technically we, we will, we didn't see the first seven years of their life. We got both of them when they were seven. So, um, yeah, it's nice to have a purpose outside myself. I also have anxiety as you know. So, they really help me with that. It helps to concentrate on something outside of you. Yeah, I just love them to death. I never really thought about the fact that like, it is less normal for some reason to be obsessed with your cat. And I also love what you said about like that you're done apologizing for how you feel about your cats because one of the things that I struggle with is and you have a similar I know you have a similar situation with Carlo my cat eats everything literally last night I got up to check on him just you know licking the wooden spoon in the spoon holder just like it's whatever I'm like what are you doing like and he you know, we have to monitor his toys very closely because he just eats everything. He literally, literally walks around the house and just chews on things. Doesn't matter what it is. He's just like, what can I, how can I lash out so that they know how hungry I am? And it's exhausting because I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why are you always eating things? Like, and you know, like if they eat string, if you didn't know this out there, like string is one of the things that if they eat a certain length of string, like it could kill them and like that you know that happened to Claude one time and luckily he threw it up and everything was fine but I in addition to anxiety I also have obsessive compulsive disorder and so sometimes um, with that I'm not able to rationalize things the same way that other people are and so from that moment on I have sort of had a hard time with his tendency to eat things and you know I get I get embarrassed like I'm I'm late a lot of the time because I have to I feel compelled to do you know compulsions I have rituals that I need to do that revolve around Claude I'm not sorry for how much I love my cat because I do love him but even my vet who was like you know I'm so grateful 
to have a vet that understands my mental health problems because my vet, who is like his primary care physician, um, she understands me and she says all the time, she says, you know, you, it's really important to me that you ask all your questions and that I help you because if you don't, if I, if, you know, if you're, when you're at that high anxiety level, you aren't able to truly enjoy the time that you have with Claude. And so like one, even though I know that my OCD is never going to go away and the reality of the situation is because of how Claude is, we can't just leave stuff out because he's going to eat it. But there's a, there's a line that I'm trying to like, you know, or a gap that I'm trying to close so that I can better enjoy my time with him without constantly worrying about if he ate something or this and this and that. And for some reason, it feels even worse because it's a cat, right? It feels like people are going to judge me more about what I'm worried about because it's not a human child. This is real, like, love. This is a this is a member of my family. This is my child. Yeah, I think that what you said about not apologizing for it I, is something that I need to work on, too, because it's my family. Like that's my, that's my kid. Well, and I think people to have a tendency to not to make broad generalizations, but in my experience, people have a tendency to minimize things they don't understand. So people who didn't grow up with pets, they may understand what that love is like, but they may not. And I I know that, you know, that I certainly have had people in my life who kind of poo poo it, me, you know, my cats, or if I say something about them, they're okay, Lauren. If I'm worried about something Carlo ate, you know, in relation to your experience and people kind of make fun of me or whatever, I just don't have time for that anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, this is my experience and my existence and uh, you can get on board or not. Same way, kind of, um, well, I feel a similar way about, you know, their Instagram in regards to the fact that it is... I mean, you know, I am the owner, the co-owner with Jason of the Bruno Bartlett LLC, which when I adopted Bruno, we did not intend to have. That was not our goal or intention in adopting him, but it came to fruition due to necessity pretty quickly. Um, you know, when you have 50,000 Instagram followers in the first week, you know, you've got an opportunity there to promote uh, pet health and rescue in a responsible way, and also to partner with relevant businesses. So I'm also kind of done apologizing for that. And I have people that don't really understand it. And they just put, oh yeah, your little Bruno thing. And I'm like, uh, yeah, the little Bruno thing paid for half the down payment on my beautiful new house. But thank you so much for your feedback. <laughs> Bye-bye. Feel the same way about people who minimize what having a cat means because they don't understand. Easier said than done, right? It's hard to accept that in the moment when people say stuff. Yeah, that's so true. You know, I certainly relate to you and fall way more on that side, as you know, in regards to worry and caution in regards to their safety. We hadn't had Carlo for very long and he gets into everything, eats everything more and more so the more weight he loses because he's able to jump and do more things, which is good, but um, he's he's a little angel, but he's very naughty. So I had made something in the crock pot that was done, and it was like oniony broth at the bottom. And Jason picked it up, and you know it's like the metal inside part that's super heavy, and it slipped out of his fingers, and he dropped it. 
And Carlo was several feet away. It wasn't like he dropped it on Carlo or anywhere close. But all the liquid in the bottom splashed out and splashed onto Carlo, who was covered in this onion juice. And for those of you who don't know, onions are toxic to cats. We, we hadn't had Carlo very long. It freaked him out. He ran under the bed and started licking himself. I am on my stomach on the ground next to the bed, sobbing hysterically, trying to get him so I can clean him so he's not licking the freaking onions off himself. I'll never forget it. And I remember telling a friend afterward, they were like, oh, okay, Lauren. And I was like, do, do, oh, I'm sorry, my cat could have just consumed, I mean, he didn't. We, I since have learned he would have to have consumed a pretty large amount of onion for us to have to go get his little tummy pumped. But in the moment, oh my God. We're a, we had just gotten him. I was like, we're, we're, we're going to kill him. So yes, I'm right there with you. I call it that all the time. <laughs> in addition to just like, general, you know, them eating things. Uh, what are some of your biggest fears? And like, what are some of those things when there's something potentially wrong with Claude, or we just got back from the vet from something being wrong? Like, I literally feel sick. Like I can't eat. I can't even think about like sitting down or closing my eyes, like, or, you know, not like, I just want to stare at them because I'm like, I just want you to, I want to know that you're okay. And the only way I can feel okay is just seeing you. Like I would have done the same thing. I would have been like crawling under the bed trying to make sure that everything was okay. Well, exactly that is is my biggest fear, which is um, that something would happen to them that was preventable. Whether that's an accident or taking them for, you know, to the vet regularly for their checkups. What if I didn't do that? And then the vet says, oh, there's a tumor and they've got six. I don't know if they ever say a cat's got six weeks to live, but if they did. Um, but yeah, it looks like it's been growing for about 18 months. <gasps> can you imagine the guilt? We can barely even talk about when they're not here, even though I try to normalize that in my mind because it, it will happen. They're, Carlos just turned 10. Bruno's about to turn 10. And I just really hope, I tell Jason, I'm like, if they could make it to 15, I'd be thrilled. I mean, the reason why we wanted to help them lose weight is obviously to be healthier and happier and elongate their life. Unfortunately, at least for Bruno physically, it appears that he was so big for so long that it definitely has already impacted his quality of life. Even though he's lost almost 10 pounds, he, he has joint pain for sure. And we give him stuff for that and it helps. And we... And now he <laughs> he will walk up and down the stairs by himself. But whenever we're there, we will carry him up or down. We always say, save your steps, save your steps, Bruno. <laughs> and um, he lets us. He doesn't really love to be held. And it's the one time that he will let me fully hold him without any fight when we walk up and down the stairs. He's like, okay. And just waits. So, yes, definitely the fear would be something that I could have, that something would happen that I could have prevented. I mean, even just as, as little as, um, oh, I just feel sick just thinking about it. When we moved here, we moved from Chicago to Seattle about a year and a half ago, and Jason drove the truck with all our stuff, and I flew with the cats, and I bought two seats, and I paid two pet fees, and I called, I called to book the tickets just to make sure. I called twice, didn't want there to be any issues. And um, we got to the airport, it took a long time for me to check in at curbside. I had both the cats with me 
And then we got to TSA, and I ask, I always ask for a private screening room. For anyone traveling with cats, I wrote a blog about it, but I learned everything. Most of what I know from um, Kitten Lady has a video about flying with cats that is awesome. Per her suggestion, I always ask for a private screening room so you don't have to take the cat out of their carrier and walk through. Cause then you're holding your cat for God knows how long till their carrier comes out, you know, and it's an airport. So <laughs> no thanks. So I always ask for a private screening room. And that day a private screening room took an hour and we were standing there waiting, 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 waiting. So at that point my flight had almost started boarding. I get into the private screening room and I, they know I'm like, I, I, we're boarding and I have my two cats. and. They, you have to take your cats out of the bag, out of their carriers in the private screening room and put their carriers through the metal detector. They take them for you and you wait in the private screening room, which is great. So when I opened Bruno's carrier, he was covered in his own vomit. And he's not a puker. Carlo is, Carlo pukes like three times a week. I mean, we've tried everything. He just has a sensitive little tongue. He eats one blade of grass. He'll puke for a day. Um, Bruno's not. And I just immediately start crying. The two TSA women were so nice. They went and got paper towels. We're cleaning him off. But I'm also I'm trying to clean up his carrier, but I'm also trying to hurry. Oh my God, just thinking about it, I feel so sick and so guilty. Because even though I cleaned him off as best I could with paper towels, but I had to put him back in that very carrier and then go sit on an airplane for three hours. I mean, he was in there for another six hours, probably all together, by the time we got to our new house. Um, and then they tried to kick me off the plane, but that's kind of another story, too. Um, <laughs> kick me off the plane because I had two cats by myself, even though I paid for two seats, just to be clear. Not because I did anything naughty. So anyways, memories like that, I'm like, oh my god, I could have prevented that by not giving him those treats, even though I wanted to give him treats because I wanted him to be happy. Or just not doing it. I mean, we had to move. But, you know, those things that I just sat on the plane feeling horrible. Absolutely horrible. And I called, or I texted my mom, I said, who was picking me up. Because we were, quote unquote, moving home. <laughs> 13 years later. Um, and said, I need you to go to this, the chain here. That's like the natural pet food store. It's called Mud Bay. I said, I need you to go to Mud Bay and pick up waterless shampoo. So hot tip to anyone traveling with pets, pack your waterless shampoo in a small enough container because it's the best if anything like that happens and it comes out as a foam and you just rub it on them and wipe it off. And so Bruno wouldn't have had to sit in his own freaking puke. <laughs> There's my story about that. I literally almost cried just listening to that story. Like I'm imagining you in that room. Oh man, I I just you do anything for your kid. And like we have the, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of books about, you know, raising a kid, but probably not as many books about raising cats. And so, you know, there's no handbook on how to do the right thing as a pet parent but like I think at the end of the day like making all the decisions that we make for them from a place of love deep intense like unmatched love is really the only thing that we can do I guess I'm like ha having a hard time even convincing myself because I'm like I will die for my son <laughs> but like I just you know it's that yeah that's a that's a situation that I I've been on a plane with Claude once and it wasn't even bad but 
it's just so nerve-wracking. The last time I flew with them was obviously when we came here. They both, thank God, fell asleep on that flight because I was beside myself after almost missing what happened at TSA and then running to the gate, which was not the plan. I'd arrived two and a half hours early, didn't think I was going to be running to the gate, getting on the plane. Peep, and I tell everyone who had come past and was going to sit in the seat, I, I have two cats here, I just want to let you know, because some people are allergic. And of course, some people are, Ugh, you know, I'm like, move it along. And yes, then they tried to, they told me I had to get off the flight. And that also, I was like, so, I mean, my fiance is in the middle of, I think, Wisconsin at this point with all of our belongings. I'm here with my two cats. I have nowhere to go. Just left my apartment. You know, it's like, what do you want me to, how is the situation going to be remedied? Well, you can't, you can't fly by yourself with two cats. I said, even though I have two seats and I talked to people on the phone beforehand and I paid two pet, pet, two pet fees and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you can't. TSA knew. The people, when I boarded, they knew. And then once I get on the plane, you're going to tell me I have to get off? And I just started sobbing. And the guy was like, oh, whoa, 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 you don't have to get upset. And I was like, I, I have my cats and all my earthly belongings and I have nowhere to go. I don't know what you expect me to do. Okay, well, let me go talk to somebody. And they never came back. And luckily, the people around me rallied. God bless the people around me. They were like, I'll take one of the cats. One of the cats is mine. And I was like, thank you. I kept waiting for them to come back. And then they were like, okay, we're taking off. So I was like, oh my God, we did it. That is amazing. That's an amazing part of that story. Yes, people. If you were a single mom with two children, they would have said nothing to you. Nothing whatsoever. Oh, you can't, you can't board. Wait, you cannot board this flight alone with your two children. Again, even though I paid for all the extras here, we have a empty seat that I've paid for. Exactly. Uh, you know, and again, like, of course, I have four nephews and three nieces. So if anyone tries to come on here telling me that I hate children, think again, because I have them all around me. Um, but uh, yeah, like nobody would have said a word to you if you had two kids, two human children. But again, like the people that do not understand the deep connection that I have with my cat, the people that don't understand that are going to think what's the big deal? It's just a cat. Like, think again. I'm so grateful that you had those people around you that were able to understand that. And I'm so grateful to, for the fact that I have you in my life as a person, you know, like when I found your account and I like, again, I not only was I just like, oh, cats, amazing. Because sometimes I worry that I'm like, you know, is there something I'm not doing? Am I like, you know, but like, it just makes me feel less alone. The fact that you talk openly about like you know the fears that you have and not not just the fears but also how much you love them like having a whole like you know brand dedicated to it is something that makes me as a cat owner feel more validated in my experiences and my emotions as a cat owner and like even after this conversation I feel like I want to like I said I want to really work on not apologizing for the deep connection that I have with my cat because it's real and it's valid and it's important. It's funny that the words you chose, you know, makes me feel not so alone because that is most certainly one of the benefits of social media, right? And also my other great passion in life is theater and that's why I love the theater. When you connect to a story for whatever reason, 
which just makes you feel not so alone. And that's why I do theater. So thank you. That's very sweet of you to say. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing all of your great stories. And I'm so glad that I got to see Bruno during this. That was also a highlight. Um, and yeah, I'm just so grateful to be able to sh not only just talk about cats for an hour, but just know that the, like, you know, again, like I'm not alone in how deeply I feel connected to these animals. And not only am I grateful for you sharing just your history and your story with Bruno and Carlo, but I also just want to personally thank you for all the work that you do to promote not just rescuing, but rescuing senior cats. Like that stuff is really important. And for anyone out there who is thinking about adopting, like, do you have any advice for them or any, you know, words of wisdom? The first thing, and this is what um, a friend of mine who has dedicated her life to animal rescue and animal health. Um, what she told me when I was uh, applying to adopt Bruno was be sure that you are his forever home. I work with a company through Bruno called Zoetis, which is the largest global animal health uh, organization. Bruno is their first brand advocate <laughs> uh, but it's great for me because I've always been hesitant to talk about to get too much into the weeds on health stuff on his Instagram because I'm not <laughs> of it um, but that's the biggest thing people are interested about him is you know the weight loss so I'm so glad I get to finally talk about that with professional veterinary backing and they shared with me because we're also going to be highlighting promoting animal rescue this year that at the beginning of the pandemic as many of us saw a lot of shelters were cleared because a lot of people took this as an opportunity to adopt a pet because they would actually be able to be at home with them and spend time with them which is great so what Zoetis told me was that now we're seeing a lot of those pets being returned because people are going back to work and that made me very upset like I said, do we want the shelters cleared? Of course, but we want them in their forever homes. So I would just ask that you examine your circumstances and if there's anything that could change that would prevent you from being able to keep them and being able to provide for them. You know, like I, I said, I was tempted a lot of times in my early 20s um, because I love cats, but I'm so glad I didn't get one for their sake. It wouldn't have been fair. I guess the other thing I would just say is really do your research and potentially talk to your vet and do your own research as to food. We switched the boys over to a raw diet about two years ago after I spoke with my friend that I mentioned who's dedicated her life to pet health and rescue. And I don't give them like raw chicken. I can't. That wasn't for me. <laughs> but we give them freeze-dried food. And after just learning about pet food and pet food industry for us it was the right decision and I would encourage everyone to do their research on that as well because that can just have obviously the longest lasting effect on your pet's health and life and you want them to be around as long as possible and their diet has a huge 
huge part to do with that, obviously. So do your research. Thank you so much for being here, Lauren. I'm so grateful that we connected and I'm so grateful to have you. And maybe one day I'll finally get to meet the cats. And I mean, and you in person too. We've never met in person. And I'll also you. Yeah. (laughs) Doing that. It's like, it's just like your childhood where I'm like, where are the cats? (laughs) It's okay. That's I'm quite used to it now. And I'm I'm proud of them. I'm just their conduit. So (laughs) thank you so much. Thank you all so much for listening to the first episode of season four. Woo! I hope that you got something out of this episode, whether it be feeling validated as a pet parent, or maybe you have a little bit of insight into the lives of pet parents and how the love we have is so real. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe you might want to join in on that pet parent life. It's a time, let me tell you, but it is worth every tear and smile. It's great. For real though, if that doesn't make you feel seen and validated as a pet parent, I don't know what will. This is such a great conversation that I got to have and I just love having the chance to talk to someone who gets it, you know, makes you feel like your feelings are that much more real and like you don't have to worry so much about explaining them. I love it. And I'm so grateful to have had the chance to have Lauren on the show again to talk about this. And as always, we encourage you to have conversations like these with the people in your life. The more conversations like these we have, the less we feel so alone trying to figure out life and the closer we feel to those that we love. Don't ever let anyone convince you that you shouldn't talk about your feelings. They are valid and they are important and they're real. And sharing your feelings might help another person have the courage to talk about theirs. Talk about your pets. I want to hear about it. And if someone doesn't think that your love is real, take a note from Lauren. This is what I'm going to be taking. Just let them know. You can get on board or not. Your feelings matter, big and small. And people and animal and whatever it is, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. All right, y'all. We're at the end. You know what it is. If you want to stay up to date with releases of episodes or see cute pictures of cats you can follow us on instagram and twitter at who knows pod we're also on facebook at who knows we feature pets on our instagram story every day we release a new episode i'm telling y'all i love to see your pets so if you want to send us a picture of your little baby send us a photo over on our instagram or email and we will feature your pet you can also visit our website at who knows and if you want to send us any questions we can answer them on the show i want to do that so email us Taylor at who knows pod.com. That's the email. Send us a line. The best way to support us is to, you know, the answer, leave us a review on Apple podcasts, go leave a review right now. And you can hear me. Thank you on our next episode. Seriously. Those reviews are an essential part of the growth of the show. And they mean so much to me. They make me cry. Happy tears to support us even further. You can become a patron for as low as $1 a month for access to exclusive content and to help the show get better and better. That's it. That's episode one. We did it. We are back. Season four is alive. And clearly so am I. And I'm so glad to be here. And I'm so glad that you're here. And as always, who knows who's out there, but I love you. And thanks for listening. We did it. We did it. Uh, 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 uh. 
This episode was hosted and produced by me, Taylor Dankovich. Our music is written and performed by the Isaac Kyloff Project. All of those pet feelings are feelings that all feelings, feelings, feelings.